Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. How are you, Joseph? Man, you know I'm good today. I'm real good today. I know, because we were talking beforehand. Facts. Today we are talking about deconstruction. Oh, Lord. Which is a, I guess, a new term that is out now. I believe it's new in its popularity. New in its popularity. In regards to a Christian perspective of deconstruction. Okay. Well, we are going to get started on that then. (laughs) Sounds good. My first question for you is, just as a word, what is deconstruction? Most often it's related to a theory connected to literature or philosophy that is examining the meaning of words or systems and questioning if those words and those systems hold the meaning that people assume they do or if they hold any meaning at all. So it's not about what the system actually is. It's about what the system means and represents or something. Correct. And even like what words mean. Okay. Yeah, and represent. Words mean and represent in a context of the system or at all? In the system or at all. So, for example, in literature, they would use it to examine literary works and they're reading through a piece of literature and basically deconstructing what the always supposed meaning of those words were. Okay, so from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. what is deconstruction? Yeah, most it's a broad word, to be honest with you, that's used for a lot of things. Right. Um, even from a Christian perspective, but the way that I will try to succinctly state it is it's the re-examining of held doctrines and held worldviews within Christian Christianity or Christendom and beginning to question the legitimacy okay. of those doctrines or worldviews. I guess my next question is... Is there a difference? Is there a difference between me just ask, asking questions versus full blown? I'm deconstructing. Someone stop me or get me or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Now that's a good question. Um, so I believe that. Yeah, I think there is a difference because I think we should all honestly ask questions. We should never be afraid to ask the questions. I want my my teenagers, for example, to ask questions. I want my congregation to ask questions about Scripture, about God, about doctrine. We should not be afraid to ask the questions, to try to gain further clarity and understanding on things. Where I think it becomes deconstruction is when all of a sudden I go, no, now... I'm beginning to just, many times in deconstruction, what's really happening is I'm just going to begin to tear down doctrines. So I'm just going to begin to tear down, you know, uh, doctrines of uh, of Bible and what scripture actually, um, is, is scripture actually inspired or is it not? And so I will begin to ask questions of scripture. I'll begin to ask questions of God. I'll begin to ask questions of the church and the organization. And so now I'm beginning to deconstruct a lot of just beliefs that I've just had. And instead of asking the questions in the context of community mm. and in the context of, I'm going to do this with others. And for, unfortunately, what we find a lot in deconstruction is that individuals almost begin to isolate themselves from the church community to deconstruct. Okay. And I think that maybe is the biggest distinction between the two. I think there's the place for asking the questions, and I actually really encourage it. Ask questions. Let's wrestle. Apparently. <laughs> Let's wrestle with these hard passages of Scripture. Let's wrestle with how can we process church hurt or life experiences, or do I really think these people are going to hell 
just because they believe in a different God, right? And beginning to ask those questions and explore those questions. And I think that's healthy to do in the context of a Christian community. And unfortunately, I think in deconstruction, oftentimes it's, okay, I'm going to deconstruct my faith. While I'm doing this, I'm going to remove myself Mm -hmm. from the Christian community, um, or at least from the evangelical Orthodox Christian community. Okay. And why are you making that distinction? Because I want to make a distinction between the evangelical Christianity and progressive Christianity. Okay. And so evangelical Christianity, for example, would hold that scripture is inspired and inerrant, is an absolute truth. It would hold that Jesus is the only way. Okay. Progressive Christianity would not hold scripture as inerrant. Uh, or without error. Many progressive Christians believe that Jesus did come, did die, possibly rose. That's resurrection sometimes is in question. But that people can come to, that Jesus kind of died for everyone, almost like a Christian universalism. Jesus has died for everybody. So they're all going to heaven regardless of what they happen to believe here while living on earth. So just and, come to church and hang out. Or, or don't. You know, <laughs> okay. or, or, you know, and, and I say progressive Christianity. That's, that's, a, that's a huge, massive spectrum, too, right? Mm-hmm. So you have some progressive Christians that are going to absolutely hold to Jesus, died on the cross, rose from the grave, and they will hold to a Christian universalism um, that all will come to know, that, that Jesus has already reconciled all people to himself, mm-hmm. and therefore all are going to heaven. Okay. Some other forms of progressive Christianity will not hold as as, as tightly to that. Mm-hmm. And they'll say possibly any way can get you actually to okay. heaven. Um, and that Christianity is not an exclusive religion. You mean an exclusive religion that gets you to heaven? Correct. Okay. Yeah, like so for example, Christianity, Judaism, Islam are all religions that hold to the fact of you must, like their way is the only way. Like just different ways to get to the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. There's not different ways to get to the same thing. Okay. Like, so, you know, for, again, for, for Christians, for Jews, for Muslims, like their religion is, and I say Christians, evangelical, Orthodox Christians, they're even Catholic, their religion is the only way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that would be true for, again, those three particular religions, world religions. And I, so I make the distinctions because I do think, unfortunately, when we find deconstruction, it's happening in the context of evangelical Orthodox Christianity. And to do the deconstruction, individuals feel like they have to leave the community to do that. And I think that's where the deconstruction is. Can I, I'll just say this. I think it can actually... I think asking questions is never harmful. I think doing it outside of the community can become harmful. So you you would say that basically progressive Christians are all deconstructed evangelicals, <laughs> I or at say, least the people running. It. Yeah, I won't say I won't say all of them are, but a lot are. Okay. Yeah, there are many progressive Christians who at one time were evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's. That's a true statement. Okay. Are there any examples of deconstruction in the Bible? Okay. So. Was that term around then? <laughs> that term was not around then. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because they've tried to use the word deconstruction throughout church history. But there's always been, they, the, 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 the argument would be from individuals that deconstruct their faith. The argument is, that, well, there's always been some form of deconstruction. Um and they'll point, for example, to the Reformation and say, well, the Reformation was actually a form of deconstruction. Well, no, it wasn't anything close to that, actually. Um, and so Martin Luther did not set out, for example, to just break away from the Catholic Church. Mm. He simply wanted to see reform happen within the church. And I think there's a big difference between Reformation and deconstruction. And so it's Reformation was actually a desire to have a return to Orthodox, traditional Christian beliefs. Deconstruction is doing the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. 
deconstruction is attacking those those beliefs. So reformation and deconstruction are, I think, are very different things. And in regards to are there examples of deconstruction in the Bible, what I would say is that in the early church, Jewish Christians in the early church had to re-examine their beliefs about what kind of Messiah they would have, what the Messiah would actually do, who the Holy Spirit was, and when the Holy Spirit would come, and what that would look like. Um, They had to re-examine when would new creation break in, and what would that look like? Um, When was the Messianic... new creation? Okay, I'm sorry. So, new creation just simply being the fact that you know, so we think of new creation in the sense of Jesus's return, okay, his his coming back and establishing all things as new here on earth. So okay. you've heard the phrase like new heavens, new earth. Okay, yeah. And so that, that we would be living in a new creation. Mm-hmm. And in that new creation, there is no longer sin, there's no longer sickness, there's no longer evil. In this, in the new creation, okay. um, where uh, you know there's no longer death in the new creation, and so early Christians, Jewish Christians, had to really re-examine all of these fundamental things that they that they were taught and that they assumed to be true. They assumed that the Messiah would come, and the Messiah would come one time and be a deliverer from their oppressors. So in the time of Jesus, it was assuming it was an assumption by the Jews that the Messiah would come and deliver them from Roman oppression. Okay? So it was earthly delivering of oppression instead of going to heaven and that being a delivery from earth. Right. So correct. It was a it was great. That's a great way of looking at it. So it was it was believing that the kingdom of God would come with the Messiah, that the Messiah basically would usher in the kingdom of God and the new creation on earth. Okay. And that, yeah, there would not be like a removal, if you were, from, for, for followers of the Messiah to go to heaven. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it. Okay. And so it's not like a... They weren't seeking a let's go to heaven. They were seeking a the Messiah is going to come here, bring heaven to earth, kingdom of God to earth here. And when the Messiah comes, the spirit will be poured out and new creation begins to unfold again where there is and, and eventually all sin, all sickness, all death cease to exist. Okay. Those things end. And so for the early Jewish Christians, they had to really seriously re-examine their perspective on what the Messiah was going to do. I mean, they never, I mean, who, who would have thought about a Messiah that was going to suffer and die, be buried, and then rise again in three days? That was not on their radar. Mm-hmm. And so then the Holy Spirit had to be re-examined as well as not just the Spirit of God coming upon the people, as we find examples of in the Old Testament, but actually coming and living within. And so the early Jewish Christians really did have to re-examine these thought pro- these or these beliefs they held. But I don't call it deconstruction, because they were doing it together in community, trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so as they're trying to figure this out, they are asking questions, and of course they had Jesus to ask questions of, but then following Jesus' death, they're still wrestling now with, following his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension, they're still having to wrestle with how do we fully articulate and explain all that's happened. Mm-hmm. And then when the Holy Spirit is poured out in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter quotes from Joel to say this has always been in scripture, now it's beginning to be fulfilled in our midst, but he even has to reinterpret the way that Joel has always been understood, the passage of mm-hmm. Joel too. And so to understand the Holy Spirit's coming in, in a in an initial way, but not in a complete fulfillment way 
at Pentecost. And so and I know I'm talking in some church language and using some Bible passages that not everyone may be familiar with, but just point being is they really did have to re-examine their beliefs, but they were doing it in community. They were doing it in, in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and they weren't looking to pull away from the community or God to try to figure it out. All right. And I think that's a major distinction, because I think in deconstruction, oftentimes individuals not just pull away from the community, they also pull away from God and go, well, let me figure this out. If I decide that some of these God things are true, I'll come back to him. But they've now, but they're removing themselves, unfortunately, from both the community and from the God they have followed up until, you know, up until this point of deconstruction. So you're saying instead of asking the questions of God, they're asking the questions of themselves and other people that don't have anything to do with God. That, that does often happen. Yes. Okay. Yes. What types of life experiences lead people to do this? And what is it about those life experiences that is causing people to deconstruct? Sure. Man, that's a, <laughs> that's a broad one. Um, no, that's a good question. The life experience, again, it's such a broad topic because so many people have so many different life experiences. Mm-hmm. I think when you begin to listen to people that are deconstructing, let's say you've grown up in a church your whole life. So you've grown up in the church your whole life. And you were basically told you are the individuals as Christians that are the, the, the ones who are going to love, the ones who are going to care for others, the ones, you know, that you're going to be doing good. You're doing social justice. You're, you're, you're doing the things that, quote unquote, kind of matter or that are charitable. Okay. And now all of a sudden you're in college or in career or job and you're around a bunch of other people or it could be one other person really anyone but you're around other people they're not christians they didn't you know they're not going to church they don't believe in your god but you know what they're good people that do good things and they're friendly and they genuinely seem to care about their friends and their family and and heck, they may be doing more "quote unquote" kind of social justice things than you are doing. All of a sudden, it begins to ask the question: Well, are they? They're not that bad. So, are these people? Are these the people that are going to hell? Are these the people? Like, I think they're doing more good than us all being done in our local church. So, why are they? Why do I see them as the "quote unquote" kind of bad people? And I do think sometimes that happens when you grow up in church. It's like you can. It's like you begin to view Christians as good people. And non-Christians is bad people. And then all of a sudden you're around non-Christians and you realize they're not all that bad, right? And Or you may say they're actually somewhat better than the people that were supposed to be the good ones, mm. you know? And, and I'm not saying all Christians are bad or all non-Christians are good. I'm not, I'm not trying to make those kind of distinctions. But the fact is you're, just, you're being exposed to things that you never exposed to before. And I think it begins to shape you. And shake you, and you begin to have conversations about what other people believe, about other experiences and in, in religion, and you begin to learn about other religions, or you get to learn about individuals that hold to no religion at all, don't see religion as important, don't see it as necessary. They're not atheists, they're not agnostic, they're just whatever, and they seem to be doing just fine for themselves. And I think those kind of life experiences begin to calls one to re-examine, what is it that I believe? Why do I believe this? But then, like we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, church hurt can do the exact same thing, mm. right? Church hurt can cause people to, to begin deconstructing their faith. If I was hurt or if I was abused, then I begin to question, well, do I want to hold on to the beliefs of these people who hurt or abused me? Maybe they don't have the right answers. Or maybe... You go to another church. Maybe you've been in the same church or same type of churches for a while. You go to another church, and all of a sudden that church is telling you, oh, well, you don't need to listen to those people that, you, you know, the church you grew up in. These, you know, X, Y, and Z about their doctrines are wrong. And so now you begin to question, well, are they? And if they are, what else is wrong? Mm-hmm. And now, next thing you know, you're you're not just questioning these things. You're deconstructing. You're 
you're, you're basically saying, is there meaning or is there truth to any of these doctrines? Okay. And or to these fundamental, you know, truths that I have held on to. And then I think people begin to have, you know, again, other experiences in life. And maybe they're told growing up in church that drunkenness is a sin. And they realize, well, I like to party every once in a while. So I don't want to hold to that as closely. Or they're, you know, told, you know, um, don't have sex outside of marriage. And they do. And now they're questioning whether they want to continue holding to the sexual ethic that they've had their whole life growing up. And we know what happens is when you begin to question these types of things, now it begins to put, put questions into, well, what else in the Bible do I not want to hold on to? Mm-hmm. Right? So if, I want, if I'm starting to kind of pick and choose a little bit, if I'm starting to, or if I'm starting to legitimately go, I don't know if I want to hold on to this one. The next time another question comes around, maybe I don't want want to hold to that as tightly either. And the next thing you know, you begin to get into a pattern of deconstructing your whole doctrinal or worldview system. What is it about people who grow up in church that leads them to start deconstructing versus other people? When I was doing the research on this, it was a Mm -hmm. lot of younger people Mm -hmm. and... That seems to be the theme that you're talking about, people who grow up in church and then they start asking questions. So what walk me through that, I guess? That's that's a that's a great question. I was actually having this very conversation with someone earlier this week, and I do think there is a a, a real truth about the fact that there seems to be more people who deconstruct their faith if they've grown up in the church or been in the church for a while versus individuals that come into a faith in Christ later on. I mean, it can be in later teenage years, but just later on they didn't, where they didn't grow up in church. What is it about their experience okay. at church that leads them to, to do that? Yeah. I think, again, I think this is kind of multi-layered. Okay. The, you know, in other words, there could be several different reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is just a basic one of they don't they're not encouraged to ask questions actually okay and so they're just simply kind of told like these are the things that are true believe these things follow these things adhere to these things and that's all you need to know and i'm not saying that's the the motive or the intention that's not what people are trying to say but that's the way it comes across Mm -hmm. and so then there's not the engagement to ask the questions okay of what happens when I see something and it doesn't seem that God is good. What do I do with that question? Mm-hmm. Well, in, in some places, there's not even the space to ask that question. One of the things that for me as a pastor and for me as a parent is that I want people to, I want my congregation to ask questions and I want my kids to ask questions mm-hmm. because I think it's really important for individuals to be able to ask the questions they're thinking, they're wondering about. So if they come across a difficult passage or they come across something on social media that they've never thought about or considered, okay, let's discuss it. Let's bring up the question and let's talk through it. And so I do think for, for, for younger people who've grown up in the church, the we've never asked certain questions before. And then you pair that with growing up in a social media world. And I do think social media has a major part to play in this because you can go onto other platforms and, and or, or social media platforms and find just a myriad of you know videos of individuals explaining what deconstruction is, hearing their deconstruction stories, and oftentimes you 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 can you know young people can relate to those stories. They can relate to the questioning. They can relate to the, oh, I grew up at church. I went to summer camp or, you know, I went to, I grew up going to vacation Bible school or I went to study school and I was in this type of youth group and we did these types of things. Now you're hearing from people that were in those same environments that you were and seem to be quite okay, no longer adhering to the beliefs 
that they held to while in those environments. Mm -hmm. And so it begins to question, well, should I begin to explore what else is out there? I just think it's so easy to engage in that. I think part of the, of living in a pluralistic culture is you get to be around a lot of individuals with different worldviews and different beliefs. And that can be great, but it also can lead to asking questions again that you just didn't ask. Maybe you didn't even know to ask when, when, mm -hmm. when you were growing up, but it seems to be with young people, they weren't given the space to ask the questions or they're, encountering especially you know we, we've talked a lot about the the or some about the doctrinal things but i think the, the moral issue is a pretty big one too if i want to live life with a certain moral you know morality or certain ethic then that doesn't connect with scripture well guess what i can find that out there mm -hmm. you know i can i can be part of of a more you know progressive church even that will allow me to still be in church, hold on to a belief in God and in Jesus and whatever form that I might want to, but also hold on to whatever morals and ethics that I want to hold to, uh, regardless of what scripture may or may not say about those things. And so I think there's a, a lot of just the, the questioning. And then I think there's a lot of they're just not answered. And then I think there's a lot of exposure to just different ways of thinking and different lifestyles and different ways of doing things um, that, you know, or it could be, hey, I never drank or never went to a party and now I just want to. And okay, I did it. I feel a little bit guilty of it, but I kind of had a good time. So to get rid of my guilt, I'm going to begin deconstructing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. and, and I do think those kind of things can happen um, for individuals, especially growing up in church. And again, with social media, not only can I have videos to watch, but I have a whole platform of individuals that are experiencing the same things. And so I can kind of get together and ask questions with them and find a different community than the community I grew up in. Mm. Would you encourage people to experience new things and ask questions of people not in church in order to get, I guess, like a more rounded view of life? I would not encourage individuals to just experience, like I wouldn't encourage anyone to go against the morality that scripture holds to, okay, just to say they experienced certain things. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't encourage that. But do I encourage people asking questions of other individuals? I think that's healthy. Uh, of even people who you would consider would give you the wrong answer. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I think if we don't do that, we're, we probably have too narrow of a scope of the people we're engaging with. Okay. Yeah, I think it's healthy to engage and interact and be friends with or ask questions of individuals that are not Christians or did not grow up in church or whatever it may be. And asking those questions, there's, there's abs absolutely do that. And when you are receiving answers or causing questions to form, maybe you don't know the answers to, you don't, you've never thought through before. That's to me where the, the the great part of the community that you're in. Now you can say, "Hey, I was talking with someone and they brought this up. What do y'all think?" Okay. Within the Christian community that I that I'm in, now we can have a discussion around that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm. I, I guess I'm all for the asking of questions and getting to hear different perspectives from different points of view. I mean, for me as a as a pastor, I even show documentaries made by atheists, you know, not Christians critiquing an atheist point of view, but documentaries made by, so that we can, he, so I can, I can allow individuals to hear, this is where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. This is what they're saying. And I never am sitting there worried going, oh no, they're going to hear something. And now they're not, they're going to become an atheist. Right. I don't think that. I think, no, let's be informed. Mm -hmm. You know, w why do they 
choose to believe that there is no God? Why do they choose to critique us as Christians? I want to hear you know, that perspective. I feel like it just makes me not simply just a more well-rounded person, but it makes me an individual who can engage in conversation with people in a more intellectual level, one. But then, two, I think when we encourage our people and encourage individuals to ask these types of questions or to be in these type of experiences— they're no longer they're no longer seen as like threats. They're just, they're just dialogues, and that's okay. When people deconstruct all the way, don't have a community that they're talking to, mm-hmm. and do the whole thing that you're saying about asking questions of other people or mm-hmm. or not deconstructing the correct way. I guess that's my first question. Is there like you're are you saying that that is deconstruction a negative word? Or is it also a positive word? Like, is there a correct... Are we saying there's a correct way to deconstruct and then a wrong way to deconstruct? Or are we... Yeah, who you're saying. The way the word is used, okay? okay, I'm just... The way the word is used, the way deconstruction is used, is generally used in a negative sense. In the sense of, we're going to tear down. And then we'll just see what's left after we tear down. Sometimes there's a thought of reconstructing faith after the deconstruction. And sometimes there's not. I don't feel like I have to use the word deconstruction to say, let's re-examine what we say we have believed. Let's ask questions. And so I I have no problem of individuals re-examining the things they've always held to, to find out why they actually believe those things. And if they want to continue to hold on to those things, like to me, that's, that's fine. I think behind deconstruction it is almost a presupposition that I will tear down my evangelical and orthodox beliefs, mm-hmm. whether that l- leaves me as a progressive Christian or as an atheist or as an, you know, an individual that holds to no religious, you know, belief. I think to me, that's what deconstruction is really kind of become, unfortunately, I think built around that. Okay. We're going to tear it down. There's got to be wrong and evil in it. Now let's, let's just almost, it's almost like we're going to tear it down, reject whatever we that's related to evangelical or orthodox because that's wrong, evil. Now let's see what progressive Christianity, atheism, or just being a nun um, what I mean by that is by being someone who doesn't hold to anything. Oh, <laughs> for clarity's sake, I was going to ask you because you said that earlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so that's what the, that's what they're being called now is to individuals that are that hold to to no religious affiliation at all, not even atheists. They're being referred to as the quote unquote nuns. N O N E N E S. Yes. Um. Yeah. Definitely not to be confused. With the other nuns. Because the other nuns are super religious and don't ask questions and don't care <laughs> to ask questions. <laughs> well, I don't know if all nuns are that way, but yeah, they are religious. Okay. And um, I hope they ask some questions. But, you know, I think that that's... So I don't think that deconstruction holds a positive view okay. in my eyes. Because I guess I believe there's a presupposition that's built into it Okay. that you'll deconstruct, discover that evangelicalism is not okay. And therefore you have to hold to something else. Okay. Yeah. Where I think re-examining is maybe a, a more proper way okay. um, of looking at it. Or even if you want to use the word like reform, like Martin Luther okay. did, like, yes, do I believe there's some things about the church that needs to be reformed? In, in the evangelical world, yes, I do. Okay. But so for individuals, though, I I do think that reexamining is probably a positive, probably, probably the word I would use. So reforming was about the church and changing that deconstruction and reexamining is about changing your view on the faith itself then. In a lot of ways, yeah. I mean— yeah, reform. Yeah, reformation, reforming, was calling like calling out the church for abuses, for you know excess, and getting away 
from a simple just faith in Christ as means of salvation. And okay. so there's some basic tenets of Reformation, but I, in a nutshell, it's it's it was saying let's 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 reform the church to recover who the church was meant to be and functioned as mm-hmm. for quite a while. And whereas in deconstruction, you're not wanting to recover anything. You're wanting to just break away okay. from it, right? Like, I'm not looking to go, oh, there's these things within evangelicalism that are not quite okay. Let's explore this, you know, find out. And usually it's not within the doctrine. It's usually within the culture of evangelicalism. And so, okay. it, and so it's usually like, all right, the culture of evangelicalism is off, and instead of approaching it from that perspective of, okay, what are some things that we need to really address within the culture of evangelicalism, it becomes this, I'm going to reject evangelicalism because of the culture. And because I've rejected evangelicalism because of the culture, now I'm going to begin to reject some of the basic tenets of doctrinal you know, faith or faith and in, in, in some doctrines within evangelicalism. Okay. And and so that's where it begins to lead individuals from again re, just a healthy reexamining of why I believe what I believe and how should I view these passages of scripture or how should I view these doctrines? How can I understand them better to just a rejection of them? Mm. And then let's try to find something else that I like better. Speaking of that, when people go and find something they like better, what is it that they are finding? Or what do they think they're finding? Probably on a larger philosophical level, I think they probably believe they are finding freedom from what they may deem to be an oppressive religious order or or religion. Okay. And I think that's probably what drives a lot of this. Okay. Is a freedom from something. Um, in this case, a freedom from evangelicalism or a freedom from orthodoxy. And I think that becomes the real driving force. Because some people don't go all the way to where they're like leaving Jesus behind, if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's like a fundamental question to me. Like so many times I will listen to individuals talk about deconstruction and why they are deconstructing their faith. And honestly, rarely do I hear anything about Jesus. Okay. And I think that to me is like one of those glaring issues in all this. Because we still have to be able to answer the question, what about Jesus? And so for some that still want to hold on to Jesus, they find themselves in, again, either a liberal or, or progressive Christian mm. you know, uh, religion. Others go so far to say, nope, I'm rejecting Jesus, and I'm rejecting God, and therefore I'm an atheist. And then others, and I think this is the rising majority of them, say, forget all religion, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And you ask him, is there a God? I don't know. What does it matter? You know, like it's just a, it, it's, it's, it has no more, it no longer has a bearing on their life. Mm-hmm. And so I think people end up, you know, when you ask like, you know, where are they finding themselves now? Like what, what faith are they invested in? If, if any faith, it's, it's usually a progressive Christianity, atheism or nothing at all. When you say freedom from what specifically, we, we could we could we could go down some major major uh, rabbit holes here. Uh, let me just mention a few things, okay. okay? And I think these may all end up being worthy of their own podcast at okay. some point, <laughs> okay? okay? Um, for evangelical, for especially within the evangelical culture, okay? Mm-hmm. So if we're deconstructing our faith. Based in an evangelical culture, and, I, and when I say evangelical, I, I'm meaning individuals that hold to Scripture being inspired. Jesus literally came, you know, died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to be with the Father. He is God. 
He is coming back. So that's what I mean by evangelicalism. They, they hold to these fundamental tenets mm-hmm. of the faith. And I think what they people are experiencing freedom from is a, a number of things. Number one, sexual ethic. This is a this is a this is a, a, a broad, massive topic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Because it gets to the heart of the matter that we as evangelicals have not done a very good job of speaking about sexuality. Like our sexual, like when we talk about sexuality or sex, and those are two different, I mean, mm-hmm. let me make a distinction between this, but it's like, just don't have sex. Okay. Like, I mean, there's got to be a much further conversation than that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when it's, when it's about, you know, so I think it's a freedom from a sexual ethic, both in regards to sex and sexuality. And so it's the idea that I don't have to adhere to these kind of quote unquote archaic rules. Mm-hmm. And so I still want to believe in Jesus. I still want to use the Bible as a as my religious book, but I do not want to follow its sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. And so I think freedom from what they would consider an oppressive sexual ethic. Freedom from, I've, you know, I, I've heard this in my conversations with people who are deconstructing, mm-hmm. um, the idea of the, of patriarchy in the church okay, um, and wanting, uh, feeling like there's not enough of a um, feminine or feminist view uh, and voice within the church. Okay. Freedom from what they what some individuals say are just a bunch of rules and regulations um that obviously would include sexual ethic but but also just like don't dress this way don't look this way don't don't have tattoos don't have those unnecessary piercings don't you know whatever it may be and freedom from those types of rules okay. you know and and so I think there's a lot that to me is some of the things when people say they want freedom from, and then probably to be honest with you, a freedom to a freedom to quote unquote think for themselves, okay, and not just be told this is what you need to believe, believe it, okay. So I think those are all things that individuals are seeking freedom from, which therefore drives them to to a deconstruction. Like what comes first, the the questions or the I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Probably depends on the person. Okay. I think some individuals just finally say I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. And then they and then they walk away from the community more than likely. And then after being detached from the community, I think that's when they begin to ask the questions. But they're just tired of it. Okay. They're they're tired of the rules, the regulations, they're tired of feeling shame, they're tired of feeling guilty, they're tired of, if they're in a church that's highly legalistic, they're tired of the legalism, Mm -hmm. Um, you're in a church that's crazy, you're tired of the craziness, you're in a church that's just traditional, and you're tired of the traditional, I mean, whatever it may be, you're you're tired of it, and therefore I want freedom from it, then as I get freedom from it, I think then some of those people, probably everyone who walks out the door of a church leaves the faith, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that, or goes through deconstruction. But I do think some then begin to ask questions that lead them to go through deconstruction. And again, now they're doing it outside of community. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably going to find other people outside the community doing it for whether it's the same reason or a different reason, mm-hmm. but find individuals that are deconstructing as well. And now they're connected with them to do their deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And just by that by that very, if you're with a bunch of individuals doing deconstruction together that are outside of the context of the church, that are hurt by it, hurt by the church, mad at the church, angry at the church, tired of the church, you're all probably going to end up away from right. the church. Okay. And so I do think that's something. And then I do think for others, it's the questioning. It's I start asking a lot of questions. I don't know who to ask these questions to, or I don't feel like 
there's anyone I can talk to or ask these questions to. So then I begin to ask questions of other individuals or individuals on, you know, just follow individuals on, on YouTube or whatever it may be. So now I'm beginning to get my information there. And, and so then I just, that's where the deconstruction starts. So I think, I think you can come into it either way. Individuals when they're going through that I have personally been, they're, they're questioning why church does certain things or they do. Why do people act certain ways? Do I want to be associated with these types of people? It's it, a lot of it's a lot of those types of questions, along with I'm okay living in a different moral space than what I grew up in. It does not seem to bother me, so I'm going to go be able to to do what I'd like to do within a new kind of moral space that I've created for myself, and without the guilt and the shame of connected to where it would have been if I was still adhering and following Jesus or at least being within an evangelical Christian, you know, circle. They're, 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 so they're questioning their, their, the moral space and they're questioning. And then those, all those types of questions begin to lead to fundamental doctrinal questions of Jesus and Bible and heaven and hell and God just just in God being God, you know, um, is there really one God? Are there many gods? Is there just one God that all religions are actually pointing to? You know, mm. all those, you can go through those types of questions. And so so those are the types of questions, I guess, I, I've, the types of people that I, I've been around when they're, when they're deconstructing. And I've had the joy of being there when some of them come back. And say reconstruct, yeah, and and actually begin to reconstruct, mm-hmm. uh, like almost like I deconstructed everything, but I couldn't deconstruct Jesus. And when I realized I couldn't deconstruct Jesus, I realized that I don't want to walk away from all this. Mm-hmm. But now I need an, I need help putting the pieces back together, and because now there's just too many holes shot in, you know, uh, torn in to what they had believed. And and so they do need help actually putting it back together. And I've really been very thankful to be a part of that mm-hmm. where they are genuinely reconstructing. And a lot of it was because they just couldn't let go of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was important enough. Um, and I can really appreciate that. So, yeah. So, and then, you know, there, there's the individuals that I know that have just completely walked away from the faith. They wouldn't label themselves atheist or agnostic. They would just say, just done. Don't care. But Joseph, be careful, little ear, what you hear. <laughs> it sounds like that was a phrase you heard or something. It's in a song. It's in a song. A, a, a children's church song. Really? Yeah, the, you, the, oh, be careful, little eye, what you see. You don't remember that one? Uh-uh. You never heard that one? Uh-uh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm not supposed to look at or listen to Anybody else from any different walks of life because I need to be careful because I might <laughs> do something. I do something. <laughs> I mean, and and maybe is that what we're afraid of in the you know in the church? I, I mean, are we afraid that people's faith is so fragile that right. we can't have these kind of conversations? You know, we can't listen to certain things. You know. Um, and I'm, and I again, I'm not saying that we should go and just watch whatever, right? But the the reality is is that we should be able to have these conversations, mm-hmm. um, and we should be able to explore questions and doubts, and that that should be okay. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I've mentioned this probably phrase before. Like it doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. questions don't scare me. It's, I think it's it's just not it's not unhealthy for us to examine things, question things. You know, I, I think that's a part of who we are because we're going to question things eventually. Mm. Might as well go ahead and have the conversations, you know, in community, especially when they're you know. I think about in church life in particular, like in congregational settings and youth group settings. Man, let's have real conversations, mm. not just I don't know shallow self-help or shallow whatever don't have sex right topics right no let's okay why Mm -hmm. you know and what does the bible actually say about sex by the way you know i I don't know 
That's right. I think that's a. I mean, you know, like what a great topic. Mm. What does the Bible say about sex? And why aren't we telling and informing people mm. about this? And so maybe I guess because we're scared they'll go out and have sex. I, I don't know. I just think that we owe it to our congregations, to our young people, especially you know high schoolers, young adults, college age, have these kind of conversations and to explore these things so they're not having to explore them outside of our community. Mm. Um, and maybe that's a big part of it is they feel they have to explore outside the community because they don't think these questions or these doubts will be welcomed. And that, that again, that's, that saddens me. We can have these kind of conversations, you know, again, don't, I wouldn't, I would never encourage someone just to go commit sin, just to go commit sin. Right. Mm -hmm. But to have conversations, questions. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. What would you tell people who are in the middle of deconstructing or who have already all the way deconstructed and are progressive Christians mm -hmm. or atheists or agnostics or nuns, what would you say to those people? For those that are deconstructing their faith or are considering deconstructing their faith, I would just implore you to please do it in the context of a Christian community of a Bible-believing Christian community. And I realize that you may have serious issues with some of the evangelical culture that you may find yourself in, but I would just implore you to do it in community. Ask questions about that too, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Ask, ask the questions of why is the culture this way? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, ask the questions of why, why does our church say this, you know, tell us to act this way, believe this, um, do these particular things, whatever it may be, and ask the questions. And so, but just, you know, my heart would be don't, and, and do it in such a way that you're actually wanting, that you're actually wanting to hear what is true and not just because of your hurt or your disillusionment just want to, you know, I think sometimes people that go through deconstruction just want to be able to deconstruct. Like they want to be able to rationalize why they no longer want to be in church or no longer want to follow Jesus. And so they're looking for a reason to get out. And instead of looking for a reason to get out, well, I guess what I'm, I would ask is, man, Search the scriptures and ask the Lord and ask his people like what what really is the, what's what's really being said, what's really true. Hopefully your heart would be to search and seek out truth, not just what you want to hear or not just an excuse or a reason to to disconnect. Um, and I guess I would also say don't allow the small things to become huge things. You know, and what I mean by that is if there's something in the church that, and it, I say small, but it's it's not in the essential doctrine world. And you're saying, I want to, I want to critique this part of the culture of my church. Critique it, question it, talk to others about it, but don't feel like you have to make the leap from there to going, okay, now I'm going to question and critique the authority of scripture. Or now I'm going to question or critique essential doctrines. Or now I'm going to question or critique God, who God is. Like, I don't think you have to make those ginormous leaps. And I think sometimes the deconstruction world, it's like, well, if you're going to deconstruct one element, let's just deconstruct it all. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think you can deconstruct or question, re-examine, whatever word you want to use, one thing without it having to go into every other part. Or if it does lead to something, okay, now let's handle that. But does it have to just, it does, not everything has to be lumped together to be deconstructed simultaneously. Yeah, so do it in community. And for those that, that have already deconstructed their faith and have landed in progressive you know, Christianity, my heart just is, all right, but 
how are you understand how are you understanding Jesus in the midst of this new quote unquote this new Christianity that is being established as as acceptable and and norm and why for centuries have we not adhered you know to this type of progressive Christianity that's now being taught but more than just the history of it just even to those that are have become atheists or agnostics my 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 single question is always getting back to well what are we doing about Jesus like all the other issues all the other doctrines all the culture all the stuff like okay but what do we but what about Jesus I don't think it's like a house of cards where if everything else collapses, Jesus has to collapse with them. Really, who is he? And really, you know, what is he saying? And and so, and I think, you know, to be honest with you, most part of progressive Christianity, it's it's a, you know, one of the reasons my heart breaks for progressive Christians is because I see oftentimes progressive Christians are individuals that really do want to do good for others. Like they really, there's, there tends to be more of a social kind of gospel drive. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, so if you're, if you're a progressive Christian, you actually genuinely want to do well for others. And there is a sense of who Jesus is and holding on to him. Everything else, it's, it's like everything else is, it's, it's so inconsistent because there's nothing serving as an authority over what I should believe, how I should live, what I should think about God, because if Scripture is no longer that authority, so if, if Scripture has been removed as that authority, then now I'm just simply choosing the parts of Scripture that I and I, I want, and I'm I, there's an individual, well-known, uh, progressive Christian leader. And he was asked one time, what do you do about Easter? And he says, well, sometimes I preach on the resurrection in the years that I believe in it, and the other years I don't when I don't believe in it. And to me, that just kind of gets the heart of it, of it's so not just inconsistent, it's, it's, there's no sense of deriving truth. I guess that's where I'm getting to. There's no sense of derive, like, where am I deriving truth from? And okay. So is truth just being derived from how I'm feeling that day, that week about Jesus' death and resurrection? Or is something outwardly, objective, objectively speaking to me about what truth is? And I get it. Like, there's a lot of progressive Christians that actually have really struck, like, they have struggles and issues about Scripture mm-hmm. and certain passages of Scripture. And so I would say, well, let's... Let's have some really good conversations about those things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those scriptures. And, you know, and, and then those that are in that place of, again, progressive Christian, atheist, whatever. If if this all started, if all of the deconstruction, if all of this started with church hurt, don't, my, my heart cries, don't allow a hurt by someone individually or maybe it's a couple of people or a group of people don't allow the hurt from people to, to cause you to completely dismantle your belief in God and in Jesus and be honest about what's driving the deconstruction. Is it my hurt or my, or is it something else? If it's hurt, that shouldn't drive what I believe, right? That mm-hmm. like, that shouldn't drive me to, to deconstruct things. Um, cause it's, it's at some point that emotion is going to change. And then what am I left with? Be honest about it. If, if it's, uh, if it's honest intellectual struggles about passages of scripture, well then, man, we've been, there's been people debating passages of scripture forever mm. and still hold to, you know, to, to the apostles creed and to orthodoxy, you know, like that's okay. I mean, that's like, in other words, it's okay. Mm. Like don't freak out about it. At the end of the day, they're still friends because they still believe in the same essential doctrine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and so I, I guess that and and then reach out. Have you you know I guess another thing too like have you talked to people that are you know that would label themselves evangelical or Bible believing or orthodoxy and you know they or they hold to orthodox beliefs. Have you talked to them about these things? Mm-hmm. And if you've not, 
I'd encourage you to do so. And if you found someone that's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, go find someone who is willing to engage Mm -hmm. and have maybe more answers than the person who just went, I don't know. For, you know, for for the atheist, for the agnostic who just have, you know, I think a lot of individuals that ended up end up as atheists and agnostics, something has happened and it's caused you you to doubt the goodness of God. I guess I would say find someone to explore that further with and don't just allow your own questioning of God's goodness to keep you away from him or cause you to deny him because he wasn't good when you thought he should be good or in a way that you thought was you know, it was appropriate for God to be good. And again, I mean, so much of this is just being conversation and being community. I mean, I've wrestled with the same things, right? I think a lot of us have. When, when something just happens that seems so just not okay and so unjust, and you're just like, where's the justice in this? Where's the goodness of God in this? We've all had those moments. Don't allow those feelings of, man, God's just not good. So if he's not good, then I don't want to believe in him. To, I don't don't allow those emotions to 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 drive you and to rule you and to the ones the nuns that are just are like well, I don't know I just I don't care about anything I just I don't care about believing in anything or adhering to any kind of religious belief system or anything else I, again I guess my cry for the atheist the agnostic the the nun is like the same thing is what do we but what about Jesus we've got to come up with an answer for Jesus. Most of us believe, just within our being, that there's something more, right? There's just something larger, bigger, part of a larger story, something. And I would say explore that further because that's true. Most of us feel that way because it is because it is true. Mm-hmm. And so explore it further. And, and find, find people that are Christians that you can talk to. You know, even if you once were a Christian, feel like you know most of the answers, find someone who's a Christian now. And talk to them about it. Walk walk it through with them. That would lead me to asking you, I guess, about reconstructing. What does that look like for people? Yeah. So, I, and I guess it depends on how far they deconstructed, right? Right. Um, how how broad was the reconstruct or the deconstruction? Mm-hmm. Would well, depend on how broad the reconstruction has to be. I do think reconstruction is really important. If you're going into deconstruction or if you've already gone through deconstruction, reconstruction has to be the next step. Because if I'm going to tear down all these things and say, I don't believe these things, then what is it that I'm now believing in? Mm. And that's where the reconstruction comes into play. And again, I do think that, so for example, if you all you've done is deconstructed sexual ethic now let's reconstruct it according and again this for me is in community and according to scripture let's reconstruct because i I do think there is a way i do think there's a way to reconstruct our faiths that that leaves us more whole Mm. um you know so for example I, i know that one of the big topics is like the the what has been at times like an oppressive purity culture in, you know, evangelical circles. Mm -hmm. And so it's caused people to deconstruct their sexual ethic because of that viewpoint of, well, the the purity culture is so overly oppressive um, and done in such a way that doesn't seem loving or kind. And so you deconstruct sexual ethic all right, well, okay, so maybe your critiques of the purity culture were correct. So, but but now how do we build that back up, mm-hmm. right? And so we've questioned and we've deconstructed. Now, how are we going to reconstruct? And again, for me, I guess that's done in community with people around scripture. Let's find out what the Bible actually does say. Let's find out what scripture actually does tell us. And and again, that's, that comes with a time and it comes with a lot of questions and 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 i know i've used a lot of like conversational language i also would hope that there's a continual conversation going on with god through this like okay god i am really struggling with this part and i need you to help show me what's true and help lead me to the people that can 
help me see this. And but I, I'm hoping there's an ongoing conversation with God mm-hmm. in the like. So if you're going to just start deconstructing, let there be an ongoing conversation with God, so that when you get to the point of reconstructing, that relationship is still intact to okay. some degree. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the way that it once was before, but in some degree. And okay, God, now I'm going to reconstruct. And I'm asking for your help in this reconstruction as well. Well, that conversation was reconstructive. <laughs> yeah. Was that good? Sure. Was that, was that good to start the ending? <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. This has been the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Joseph Tillman. Um, you can find the podcast on Spotify. SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Rumble. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at When I Heard This Podcast. And you can find me at Nate Robinsoff on Facebook and Instagram and Joseph on Instagram at Rev Uh This has been our our first episode on deconstruction, and um, and we will see you all next time. See ya.